Greetings, greetings once again to all my enemies and all my friends. That's right, it's the Weekly Worldview, and I'm your host, Doug McBurney. Welcome back. It's the show where we don't take calls and we don't tolerate sponsors, but we do help you focus on the news of the week through the events of original thought. Focus on the events of the week through the, you know what I'm talking about, to do that. And so we go. Uh, so I, I just read this morning before we go to broadcast here that the airlines will be offering refunds to those who are scared to get on airplanes because other people will not be wearing masks. So there is a significant portion of the population that is so scared that they don't want to get on a plane and they're, they're willing to cancel their travel arrangements because other people will not be wearing masks. So someone needs to be punished for this, for what they've done to these people. I mean, yes, you can blame these people. You can. You can blame them for being weak, vacuous, ignorant, easily manipulated, easily terrified, and all of that. But no one should take advantage of the stupid and easily manipulated and easily scared. It's not right. So someone needs to be punished for this. If people don't go to prison, and I know I don't support the idea of prisons, but since we have them, if someone doesn't go to prison for what's been done over the past two years, it's the end of Western civilization because it means anything goes. And when anything goes, the tyrants take over. It's, this was a crime against humanity. Can you imagine being too scared to go into the grocery store without a mask? I don't think I have to say that because there's probably a plurality in this audience who can't go into the grocery store without a mask, without feeling somewhat uncomfortable. And certainly wouldn't want to get on an airplane with literally hundreds of vectors of disease. How could you possibly do it? No, I doubt there's anyone in this audience. If, if there were anyone in this audience of that ilk, they would have been offended long, long ago and would have, would have left. All right. Uh, so we've made it through Earth Day, so let's talk about nuclear power. I hate Earth Day, by the way. I'll get back to Earth Day. But for now, let's move into the real science file where Rolls-Royce, which is a British company that makes engines... Well, Rolls-Royce designed for a small modular nuclear reactor will likely receive UK regulatory approval by the middle of next year. That's right. They're going to be able to add power to the United Kingdom power grid using small modular nuclear reactors. This is one of the greatest ideas in the history of ideas. It's basically like a battery that you can bury in a neighborhood and then power the entire neighborhood for 50 or 100 or however many years. Many, many years. A generation or two. A brilliant idea. And then at the end, it's a self-contained 
waste recycling. It's it's amazing. I there was a company in New Mexico that was trying this. I read about them at, at first, I believe in two thousand eight, nine. I may have even talked about them on the show back then. It would be in the archives. There was a, a, a small company in New Mexico called uh, Hyperion, I think. Hyperion Energy was trying to do this 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Anyway, I almost invested. I seriously almost invested because they had an office in Denver and I wanted to go talk to them because I thought it was brilliant. Anyway, I, I did a little investigation after learning about the Rolls-Royce. Regulatory approval, the impending regulatory approval of the small modular nuclear reactor. And it turns out Hyperion in New Mexico was driven out of business. More than likely by politically motivated regulations. Either against nuclear energy in general or against the people in the company and in favor of friends of other politicians to whom the folks at Hyperion didn't donate and all of that. Anyway. So let's get back to Rolls-Royce. Each 470 megawatt small modular reactor costs about $2 billion. $2 billion? $2 billion? Wait a second. Because it's, oh yeah, it's, a, it's the Rolls-Royce of, of small modular reactors. I mean, this isn't a Mercedes-Benz for crying out loud. <laughs> So I wonder what Hyundai can crank these things out for. Huh? The Kia will be $1,500. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, it would be built on a 10-acre site around the size of 10 football fields. Anyway, the one in New Mexico is a lot smaller than this. It could be buried on the corner lot of a, of a, of a residential neighborhood. Anyway, maybe it was all fantastical. Maybe they went out of business because they were bamboozling. But maybe... Because what I read, maybe they had a brilliant idea that was workable and it would solve the energy problem for generations and politicians couldn't have it. They simply couldn't have it. And so instead, what we end up with in England is only one of the oldest, most established, richest companies in all of Western civilization has the political connections to get the approvals and the thing ends up. 10 square acres. That's this is an example of regulatory over much. That's all. And I'm convinced listen folks, in case you haven't noticed there are nuclear reactors on submarines. Has anybody noticed that besides me? Yeah, they're on submarines, which means we should be able to have one in our yard. But we can't. And why? Well, it's not because we actually can't. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, I almost invested in Hyperion. I guess I'm glad I didn't. Although, I guess I maybe had I been forward thinking enough, I would have realized in 2008, 9, 10, whenever it was I was looking at this, I would have known that I should be investing in George Soros operations. Whatever Soros is backing, that's what I should have invested in 10, 12 years ago. I would probably be a millionaire by now. But did I invest in Soros? No. Am I glad I didn't invest in Soros? Yes. 
I would rather lose everything I have than invest in that guy. And, and it's Soros and people like him who are responsible for a battery that we should be able to plant in our yard to power our house, ending up 10 square acres and costing $2 billion. This is ridiculous. Anyway, that's the, that's the current status of real science. It's real sad because it should be really, really better. But it's not. Okay. Uh, but maybe it'll get better after we punish all the bastards for what they've done over the past couple of years. After we lock some of them up and beat them with rubber hoses for what they've done. Perhaps we'll be able to get back to some modicum of advancement of civilization. All right. We go from there into the widespread tyranny file back to Shanghai, China's top health official is praising Xi Jinping because why? So he doesn't get killed or thrown into a gulag. So he's praising him. And he's reaffirmed the Chinese nation's commitment to its zero COVID policy. Zero. No, zero COVID policy. That's as of this Monday past. They're officially still zero COVID. Now, the Daily Caller reports that food shortages, protests, and looting are now plaguing Shanghai, a city of nearly 30 million people. But the minister of China's National Health Commission, Ma Xiaowei, says that this is all part of the management of the ongoing pandemic. We will manage this pandemic. Uh, and, and Ma Xiaowei, Xiaowei, not Huawei, Xiaowei, he's issued a report because that's what they do. In bureaucracies, leftist bureaucracies issue reports. And Mr. Ma Xiaowei report say, uh, we must uh, recommit to the implication of prevention and control provision. We must uh, fight as hard as we can and take a district is the most uh, tough and resolute measure. <clears throat> uh, unquote. I believe that was actual audio from... As he was dictating this to his, uh, so that's uh, Ma Xiaowei, not to be confused with Xi Jinping. This is Ma Xiaowei. Uh, by the way, uh, virtually the entire city of Shanghai has been locked down since April 5th. And today being, what this is uh, 20 days now, 21 days, 19 days, too long. I know the, the lockdowns actually started in late March in certain areas of the city, but the citywide lockdown is, uh, well, it's going on three weeks. It's terrifying. And it seems like the Chinese government is actually just going to continue and to insist that their zero COVID policy is successful. Or that we can't judge yet. It's like the bald-headed guy at CNN who says it's too early to know if CNN Plus failed or not. <laughs> the, the guy in China, I mean, you've got, you're on the brink of food riots. You've got protests. You've got a boiling cauldron of civil unrest about to explode in your face. You've locked Shanghai down for three weeks, but it's too early to determine whether or not CNN Plus has failed in Shanghai. The lockdown, I mean, the lockdown. 
CNN Plus, I don't think there were any subscribers in Shanghai either. Uh, of course, that's because they're busy starving to death and worrying about food. And it's nothing to joke about, you bald-headed leftist piece of garbage. I, I'm talking to the guy on CNN now. Just uh... Anyway, this is... Um... Anyway, the, the report from Ma Jiawei signals that the communist Chinese government does not intend to preemptively lift lockdowns on the residents of Shanghai until the outbreak is ended. Did you get that? So this is as delusional as someone who's frightened to get on an airplane without a mask. This is, is as delusional as the lady in the candy aisle at the grocery store with the N95 with the double strap. But this is worse because this is actually going to get people killed. Uh, so just to be clear, and this is not controversial. This cannot be classified as misinformation. This epidemic of this particular virus is never going to end. It's ludicrous to assume it's ever going to end. So when someone says something like that, there has to be some other motivation. They're not this stupid. We have not actually forgotten everything we ever knew about infectious diseases for the last 150 years. That has not actually happened. So there's something else going on here. And it could be just as simple as, well, just like the story of Rehoboam after King Solomon died. You remember King Solomon? Who? King Solomon? You mean like of England? No! King Solomon from the Bible. Pay attention, kids. After King Solomon died, his son took over, Rehoboam. And the people came to him and they said, could you take the boot off our neck, please? Your father became a tyrant in his old age and we can't take it anymore. The taxes are too high. The burden is too high. The regulations. Your father was a maniac, a tyrant. Could you take the boot off our neck? And some of the older guys who had served with Solomon, they they told Rehoboam, you know, you might want to think about taking the boot off the neck. If you do that, these people are going to love you. But Rehoboam, not unlike the leaders of China now, instead of taking the wisdom of the ages into consideration, instead they're looking to those with whom they grew up. Those of the era of Xi Jinping and younger than him. And they're saying, should we take the boot off the neck? No. In fact, let's push the boot down harder on their throat. And I just want to remind Xi and Ma that Rehoboam lost 90% of the kingdom. And he only hung on by the skin of his teeth because God felt some allegiance and some debt of gratitude to his grandfather, David. Otherwise, otherwise, the one with the boot on the neck would have lost everything and would have been cast outside the city walls and stoned with stones until they were dead.
It's the Weekly Worldview. It's one of those guitar licks you hate to step on. But you got we got to step on it because we got to get back to the show. By the way, Wikipedia. Wikipedia, the, the communists over at Wikipedia deleted... Deleted the the entry related to Hunter Biden's investment firm, Rosemont Seneca, in an effort to disappear it. And it's it's uh, it's kind of hilarious because when I went to look at it, I decided, well, I read the story. Wikipedia deletes this site as if it never existed. They want to act like an investment firm that was invested in projects all over the world run by the son of the vice president. I'm not, I'm sorry, not run by. I'm sorry, I apologize. Hunter Biden didn't run anything. Hunter Biden's name was attached to it. There were other people doing the work, obviously. But the, the, this investment firm associated with the son of the vice president, the current president of the United States, they're just going to disappear like it never existed, and they think maybe nobody will notice, which is hilarious. It's not hilarious. It's terrifying. It's hilarious and terrifying in the same moment because we're sophisticated people. So I thought, well, maybe this by the time this story actually made the wire, it's possible that Wikipedia had to, in an embarrassed fashion, put it back up. So I go to Wikipedia, which I never do. I went to Wikipedia, I looked up Rosemont Seneca. Sure enough, it says this never existed. Or it doesn't exist. That's what it said. Sorry. Not that it never existed. We're not there yet. (laughs) We might get there at some point, but we're not there yet. It says your search for Rosemont doesn't exist. But then underneath... Where it says it doesn't exist, there's links to all these other entries that have mentioned Rosemont Seneca as if it did exist. And they also mention Hunter Biden and all kinds of other people associated with all the criminal activity around the Biden regime. And it's just uh, so it links to all these articles. But still it says it doesn't exist, or or at least it did on Friday, last time I checked it. Now you go to Wikipedia, and everything related to Rosemont Seneca might not exist. In fact, they might start insisting that Hunter Biden never existed. And we'll all be expected to go along with it because it's a Marxist humiliation uh, ritual. A Marxist humiliation operation to get you and I... To go along with things that are not true as if they are true because that breaks your spirit and it breaks your ability to stand up and say that anything is right. And then that gives them total power over you. They're just like Satan. They're just like the devil is what they are. In fact, they're, they are his representatives on earth. Now, speaking of the devil, let's go to the super unknown file. Where the, let's see, the Epoch Times is reporting from a a doctor named Dr. Ryan Cole, a medical doctor. He's a pathologist. He's operated a lab for over 18 years. And with the help of a microscope, he he has examined over a half a million patients in his career. That's his estimate. Give or take, he's examined a half a million patients in his career, uh, through the microscope, he's a pathologist. He looks at uh, very small things that we can't actually see. And he's concerned about the mRNA vaccines. He's concerned because he says there's an awful lot of things we just don't know. 
There's a lot we don't know. But there's one thing we do know by now, he says. He says that uh, mRNA should not persist. Messenger NRA, when created naturally in your body, does its job and then it vanishes. It's, it's dissolved. But he has some concern in that uh, observations. Well, listen to what the doctor says. He says, quote, when you put this synthetic pseudoridine into your body, the body doesn't know what to do with it. This is what's in the vaccines, by the way. I read the ingredients on the air a few weeks back, a couple of months back. Pseudoridine is in the mRNA vaccines. So he says, when you put this in your body, your body doesn't know what to do with it. It looks at it and it says, okay, this isn't like what I expected, so I'm not going to break it down. And so the pseudoridine evades the breakdown process and it also, invade, it also evades an immune response, according to Dr. Cole, a pathologist. He says it also turns down the immune system, which is not a good thing, because there are other things still out there. Cancer and viruses and other things, not COVID. Other stuff that kills a lot more people and will kill a lot more people. Yes, this epidemic was bad. It came. It had its waves. Some of us got sick. Some of us got really sick. And some of us died. Just like I figured would happen. Just like I said on this show was going to happen. Some of us were going to get sick. And some of us were going to die. So that wave, those waves are done now. This epidemic and the surrounding hysteria... Are, are or should be a thing of the past. But the, other, the cancer, the heart disease, all of the other things that have been killing us for 5,000 years, they're still out there. And Dr. Cole is concerned that we just don't know what... We've never done this before. So that's why this is from the super unknown file. So do I, am I asserting that everyone who took the shot is going to be dead within two years? No, I'm not. So do I know what's going to happen? I do not. I do know what happened in the past with clinical trials of mRNA technology. They all came to an end because too many animals got sick and died. That's what I, we do know that. If that hasn't, that hasn't been disappeared from my memory banks yet, maybe you don't know it. Maybe you can't find it now on the web because it's all been disappeared. But that's actually what happened. So that's the only thing we know is that we don't know, but bad, bad things happened before. So anyway, if you took the shot, just get your affairs in order. That's all, because you don't know. Uh, anyway, I guess you should have your affairs in order anyways, because we never, you get hit by a bus tomorrow, right? You could die in your sleep tonight for no real reason. So have your affairs in order, and, and by that I don't mean a living trust or a living will or any of that. Is, uh, is you need to make peace with the living God of the universe. And how do you do that? If you're not sure, send me an email. I think there's a place you can link here on the show if you can even see the website. I don't even know if we do that anymore. I don't even know how you listen to the show anymore. People mostly get it via an RSS feed, via us, uh, uh, some service. I don't even know who the services are. iTunes and... I don't even know if iTunes, does that even exist anymore? I'm dating myself with that one. Spotify. 
I don't even know if I'm on Spotify. I guess I better check. If you're listening on Spotify, uh, you probably don't know how to get a hold of me. But you don't need me. You need God. <laughs> if you want to get your affairs in order, I can't help you. I'm neither a savior nor an attorney. So I can't help you get your affairs in order in any way. All I can tell you is that the end is near for you and me, a lot more near than you think. You're going to meet God, and you're going to discover that you're not him. And you're going to need to know how to proceed from that moment forward, and you're not going to be able to. So you're going to need some help. And if you're looking for help in the afterlife, look into Jesus Christ and what he said and and tell me, is there anything he said or did that would make you believe that he is unworthy of your trust? That's all. Is there anything that he said? Not me, not what I said, not what uh, Jerry Falwell said, not what the not what the. Not what the televangelist said that you can all make fun of so easily. That's easy enough. Not me. You can easily take me down. But him, what did he say? Trust me, you're going to need help in that area. And so, uh, and so look into that. Now, we go from there into the travesty of Justice File. Speaking of, of all of this, of the spike proteins, a federal mask mandate. Uh-huh. Yes, the federal mask mandate on public transportation, including airplanes, was vacated last Monday by U.S. District Judge Catherine. That's right. We're going to call her Judge Kathy. The mandate, you'll remember, had been extended to May, where I was joking with people on the, uh, on the, air, air, on the uh, last airplane I was on. Just two weeks, don't worry, two weeks. We all laughed about it. And now, so the mask mandate was vacated, whatever that means. That means we don't have to wear the mask. <clears throat> All of these judicial rulings are always so convoluted that you can't really tell what they say. And you have to hire a lawyer just to explain what they mean. <clears throat> well, here's what happened. Well, first of all, the Biden administration said on Monday that the TSA will not enforce the mandate while it's being reviewed. The CDC, by the way, still recommends that people continue to wear masks, which is scaring people and terrifying people. And so people are terrified. <clears throat> the Biden administration now says that they're going to, uh, uh, well, I forget, they're kicking the football back and forth between agencies to see who's going to try to fight this without, uh, with, with a minimal loss of political cre credibility with the American people as the so-called election is coming up. So here's the point I want to make, though, folks. This decision to vacate the mask mandate was made in response to a lawsuit brought by the Health and Freedom Defense Fund and two women, Anna and Sarah, who travel frequently. That's right. Anna and Sarah travel frequently, so they brought a suit against the communist, maniacal, tyrannical dictators with their masks. And what were their arguments against the masks? Were they arguments... Quoting the Founding Fathers, were they arguments quoting what's been known to be right and wrong and what's been known to be tyranny for thousands of years? No. Those were not the arguments that won the day in America circa 2022 against the mask mandates. The women won by saying the, the masks worsen our anxiety and they frequently cause panic attacks. <laughs> we have panic attacks. 
Am I scared? And so that carried the day in court. And so is that why, really, is that why the Americans have thrown off the tyranny of the mask mandates? Because we're scared of panic attacks? Is that it? That's, that's pathetic and embarrassing. That's, folks, the, the mask mandate in itself is a panic attack against us. It's tyranny. And it's not that we're scared or we're going to cry or we're going to wet ourselves because of the mask. It's because we're pissed off and we're sick of it. And we're Americans and we're free. Get the boot off our neck. It's the Weekly Worldview. I'm your host, Doug McBurney. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're free Americans. We're God-fearing patriots. It's not that we're wetting ourselves and scared. But listen, this gets even worse as we look into the decision by District Judge Kathy, who so graciously condescended to relieve some of the pressure from the jugular for a moment. By the way, that's all this is, is a momentary relief of some of the pressure on the neck from the boot. The boot's not off the neck, okay? So those of us who are red-blooded, patriotic, God-fearing Americans, we're still upset by this. And listen to this. The judge said, Judge Kathy said in her decision, that the court accepts the CDC's premise that wearing a mask will limit the transmission of the coronavirus and limit the number of severe cases requiring, like, hospitalization. But that finding is not sufficient to establish good cause. Unquote. That's Judge Kathy. So she accepts the ludicrous assertion that wearing a mask can limit severe cases. So do you understand what the judge is saying? This is a judge. This is someone who's been to college who thinks that wearing a mask might let in only enough virus so that you don't get sick enough to go to the hospital. But I mean, you might get a little sick. You know, if the mask cracks open just a little bit and a few viruses get in, you might get a little sick. <laughs> but the thing is, is if you wear the mask, then you won't get the whole bunches and bunches of viruses that make you really sick. And then you end up in a hospital. Folks, this is bizarro, irrational craziness. You couldn't get this past a third grader. In the past. In the past. But that's the past. So, okay, let's move on from that so I can try to just bring my blood pressure down to a manageable level. Um... Earth Day. No, before we get to Earth Day, let's go to Bill Maher in the That's Entertainment file. 
So this is the Daily Caller story I pulled down from the Daily Caller about Bill Maher, and it's written by David Hookstead, who calls himself the Daily Wire's sports and entertainment editor. The sports and entertainment editor on a news site. Folks, this is indicative of what's happened to America. This is the problem. We can't even have a conversation about the news of the day, the important news of the day, without including sports and entertainment for fear of losing 70% of the audience. Yeah, that's it. So the folks at the Daily Wire, they want to talk about the civilizational important issues of the day, the collapse of Western civilization. Saving the world from the tyrants and a thousand years of darkness. That's what they want to do with the Daily Wire, but they have to have a sports and entertainment editor because if they don't, 70% of the people won't tune in. And I'm sorry, those 70%, they can go to Disneyland or Mile High Stadium or just right on to hell if that's what they want. Go ahead. Entertain yourself right to hell for all I care. We need to discuss serious matters here. We no longer have time for sports and entertainment. I mean, could we just leave that to the children? We need the attention of the adults, please. All right, I'll move on. From I don't want to. I don't want to beat up the Daily Wire or even this guy David Hookstead. The guy's obsessed with college football. Makes me want to vomit. Anyway, uh, he reports on Bill Maher, who says Bill Maher. Uh, Bill Maher says, "Quote." When I see young people walking alone outside with the mask, I want to punch them. Bill Maher joked. And then this this uh, this David Hookstead, sports and entertainment editor, goes on to call Bill Maher a refreshing breath of fresh air. Okay. So, Mr. Hookstead, just please. First of all, did you notice that Bill Maher included the caveats of wearing a mask alone and outside. Okay? Did you get that? So how can the Daily Caller reporter... The Daily Caller is supposed to be the right-wing salvation of America. They are the right-wing alternative news media that's bringing us the real news. How can the Daily Caller guy say Bill Maher's joke is refreshing when... Bill Maher's joke itself leaves room for the tyrants to cover our faces all over again. With the mask, with the boot. Do you see that he's left room in the joke right there? Or is it that the guy at the Daily Caller thinks that maybe wearing a mask inside when you're not alone is somehow reasonable? Or being ordered to wear a mask inside when you're not alone, maybe that's nothing to joke about. So anyway, well, I guess, okay, it's a, it's a sports and entertainment reporter. So we don't have to uh, take that all this. One more sign of the end of days that the Daily Caller, and, and Bill Maher is now regularly featured in the right-wing news sites that I frequent to get to gather the news of the week. Bill Maher is regularly featured now as if he's a conservative. I've met Bill Maher. I've sat across on stage with Bill Maher, challenged him face-to-face, and defeated him with a joke. I've done it. He's not that impressive, and he's not a conservative, I'll tell you that. And he's got like 20 people writing his stuff. 
I, I will grant that he's witty and he's able to think on his feet, but that's not that impressive. At least it wasn't really in person. All right, so let's go to Earth Day, which I hate, by the way. Before we get to the more communist, the, the ultimate communist story of the week, let's go to Earth Day. Did you see on Earth Day, uh, Google had their 20-year snowmelt image. Did you see this? So you go to Google, and they have a picture pop up, and it looks like a desert hellscape, and then it transitions back 20 years, and it shows snow, and then the snow gets smaller, and the snow gets smaller, and the brown gets bigger, and all the polar bears are dying in their 20-year uh, uh, flip book of uh, pictures of the snow melting. And so that terrifies all the all the girls want to put their mask on before they get on the plane after watching that. And they're, and they're like, is there a mask for like climate change? Because that's even scarier. I was watching the snow melting. It was turning brown. It was scary. Mount Kilimanjaro. I think it's gone now. It melted. And so I... Uh, I want to remind the folks at Google and all you girls who are scared. Um, keep in mind that these pictures that Google has put up is only the 20 years, the past 20 years that the executives of Google have risen up to rule the world. So, of course, it's it's the only 20 years that matter to them. And so, and they feel guilty, by the way, the executives at Google, not only the executives, even, even the middle level managers at Google feel a terrible weight of guilt of having achieved such enormous wealth and power with so little effort and with, with no genuine love for their fellow man. And so everyone from Google's very top executive office all the way down to the middle management level, they're all seeking to ameliorate their guilt through religious activity. And what you saw on Earth Day with their 20-year uh, flip book of, of, of photos of snow melting at various locations, this was their religious activity. And, and by the way, this is the religious season, right? I mean, we had Easter, Passover, and Ramadan. They all fell on the same weekend over, yeah. Well, Easter didn't fall. Easter rose. The others fell on the same uh, weekend. <clears throat> and so we witnessed Google's religion in action on their webpage on Earth Day. The Google religion. By the way, what is religion? Let me define religion for you. This is, so this is the Merriam-Webster's definition of religion. A personal set or institutionalized system of religious attitudes, beliefs, and practices. Okay, well, stop. This is Miriam Webster? Really? Has anyone told the folks at Webster that you're not, in, you're not supposed to include the word in the definition? I mean, we homeschool our kids, right? At least my extremely attractive audio engineer homeschools the kids. And one thing they're not allowed to do when defining a word is use the word. And I think we started that about the third grade. Which, uh, anyway, uh, 
So we need to correct uh, Merriam-Webster to remove the word religious from the definition of religion. Please. So anyway, now having done that, we'll move on with the rest of their pathetic attempt at a definition. Um, A cause, principle, or system of beliefs held to with ardor and faith. That's uh, Merriam-Webster's definition of religion. My definition of religion from the Weekly Worldview, Doug McBurney's Global International Intergalactic Dictionary of Doug McBurney. The application of guilt, the expression of repentance, and most importantly, the performance of sacrificial propitiation by the self in pursuit of relief for the conscience. That's religion. That's right. Religion is the application of guilt, the expression of repentance, and most importantly, the performance of sacrificial propitiation by the self in pursuit of relief for the conscience. That's actually what religion is. And you know, Earth Day is always right around Resurrection Sunday. You've heard me protest this before. It's always right around Passover, and it's always right around my birthday, which is why I've always found Earth Day particularly offensive. My disdain for the heathen wells up this time of year like a bouquet of flowers in the springtime <laughs> uh, over Earth Day. And I think God's does too. You know, I, by the way, do you think the timing of the pagan holy day of Earth Day is an accident? It is not an accident. It is a direct affront to God. It's just like what the faggots have done with the rainbow and what the lawyers have done with the institution of marriage and their no-fault divorce rules and their homo-marriage rules, the heathen always wants to shove it right up in God's face. Right in his face. Right up until the day that the flood comes and carries them all away. They'll shove it right in his face, right up until the flood comes and carries them all away. And then a new day will dawn and flowers will bloom as the rotting flesh and blood of the heathen fertilizes an even more bountiful spring. Host Doug McBurney, speaking of guitar licks that you just hate to step on, you could let that run for another three minutes or so, easily. Uh, what was that? don't even remember the name of that song. Rude Mood? 
Rude Mood, Steve Ray Vaughn. I highly recommend it. Check it out. Get the rest of it. Uh, we'll we'll go now to the common knowledge file. Where I don't know if I'll even make it past the story I, it, for the whole rest of the show. I might not. I don't know. I'll try. But this is the Marjorie Taylor Green trial going on. Uh, I have a report from the conservativebrief.com. I'm sorry, just conservativebrief.com. They were reporting on the trial, and they reported that Marjorie Taylor Greene, a congresswoman from some southern state, maybe Georgia, maybe Alabama, Marjorie Taylor Greene received the most absurd questions from the judge, according to conservativebrief.com. One of the questions, whether she borrowed the line from Independence Day when saying, quote, we aren't a people that will go silently into the night, unquote. So the judge asks Marjorie Taylor Greene if she borrowed that line from the movie uh, Independence Day, which I think I saw this movie. This is like 30 years ago. I might have seen this movie. I don't recall. Actually, I don't think I ever saw it. Isn't that the one where the black fellow and the other guy in a suit are against the space aliens? I don't know. I, I can't remember. So anyway, um, Marjorie Taylor Greene says, well, that's ridiculous. I didn't borrow that from the movie. and Yada, yada. And so... What I noticed most about this was that no one reporting on the story that I read seemed to know or even wonder where the original quote upon which that loosely misphrased quote was actually from. Nobody seemed to care. I read about this on three or four different websites. Marjorie Taylor Greene's been asking if she stole this line from a movie and blah, blah, blah. And so, I don't know if anyone in the audience even recognizes where that comes from. But I thought that it's from a fairly universally famous poem that I thought that everyone was familiar with. Um, and, you know, even if they didn't know how to quote it exactly, or even if they didn't know exactly who it came from, or when it came from, or exactly who wrote it, or... But it was one of those small bits of common knowledge that I thought we all shared as Americans. I, I, I thought. But now I understand that all of that is over with. What I thought was common knowledge that we all shared, it's over with. There is no common knowledge left that can hold the union together any longer. It's gone. And therefore, we shall come apart at the seams. I'm talking about America as a political entity. We shall come apart at the seams because there's simply nothing left to hold us together. Everyone who read this report about what the, what the lawyers asked Marjorie Taylor Greene, Margaret Taylor Greene, Marjorie Taylor Greene, I don't want to get her name wrong. They just call her MTG. So nobody seems to understand that it's not actually from the movie. That's not where the line comes from. It's not from a movie 30 years ago. <laughs> but nobody seems to know. And nobody seems to even know to ask, which is a little bit disconcerting. And so anyway, I don't want to be a spoiler, but it's from a poem 
called Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night by Dylan Thomas. Early 20th century, his father was dying. It's one of those stories that I thought we all learned in 7th or 8th grade. One of the poems that we all were forced to read. I thought, but maybe not. Maybe it's just a movie from the 90s. Everything goes back to the 1990s, and then from that there, we've forgotten everything. And that, that's really the problem. So anyway, uh, Mar Marjorie Taylor Greene was also accused of using the term 1776. Listen, the lawyer says, you use that as like a term, don't you, said the prosecutor. <laughs> To a congresswoman about the term 1776 as if that's supposed to mean anything. At which point I think most of the people reading this are slack-jawed and wondering, gee, I wonder what, like, 1776, what's that? Is that like a thing? Is that like a, like a term? Uh, like? Anyway, so this is a, a Soviet show trial against Marjorie Taylor Greene. And, of course, it's ridiculous and ludicrous. There's even one report how the judge, the liberal leftist judge who allowed this case to go forward, even had to roll her eyes and, like, slap herself in the forehead because what the lawyers are saying is so outrageous. So, obviously, this is like a, a, a ridiculous attempt at a, at a Soviet show trial, and it'll never work, right? There's no way Marjorie Taylor Greene will be kept off the ballot by a bunch of communists in Georgia or Alabama or wherever she's from, right? There's no way. This is America, right? <laughs> well, I found out that Marjorie Taylor Greene's attorney is James Bopp. That's her lawyer in this case, so be very be very worried. I mean, James Bopp is a lawyer who helped turn national right to life into a pro-abortion lobby. That's right. So Marjorie Taylor Greene could lose, despite how ridiculous all this looks. I mean, James Bopp is on her side. <laughs> anyway, this is the sign of... Uh, this is a, a really a telltale sign of, of, of a communist takeover. No matter how ludicrous the testimony, the outcome of the trial is always the same. The innocent are declared guilty. And I mean, we have James Bopp involved. In the case of James Bopp, the innocent he left in his wake were murdered by the millions, millions and millions of innocent kids murdered with the consent of James Bopp after he got involved. And, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, if I'm pronouncing her name right, she's a symbol of the modern secular patriot. Yeah. They think the lawyers in the Constitution are somehow going to save us. The secular patriots, they, they don't even realize that the Constitution's no longer governing our country. It's no longer governing our destiny in any way. And it's really sad that Marjorie Taylor Greene hooks her wagon to the star of James Bopp, not even realizing that she doesn't even see the catastrophic collision coming. Or at least she's acting like she doesn't know. Just like all the other secular patriots. They act like they don't know. And maybe they're just not able to believe it. I'm sure that the founders of National Right to Life never thought they'd end up fighting against the right to life. I'm sure they never saw it coming. But with the help of James Bopp and other lawyers... 
The founders of National Right to Life basically entered into the equivalent of a murder-suicide pact in the early part of the 21st century with the lawyers and the secular patriots. That's what the historians will record about the pro-life movement that became the pro-life industry that eventually entered into a political murder-suicide pact with the lawyers that got tens of millions of innocent kids killed. That's what, that's what history will record. Did I say the historians? I'm, I meant to say the historian because there's only one. Uh, he's the author and the finisher. And he will write the story. Anyway, for all you secular patriots out there, today it's a show trial, and maybe it's Marjorie Taylor Greene gets by this time. Maybe. I mean, James Bob's involved. She could end up with a life sentence for forget not running for Congress. James Bob might end. She might end up getting capital punishment. But maybe she gets by with it this time. But tomorrow figuratively speaking, so I can be clear, since there doesn't seem to be a very significant depth of intellect left, you can't really leave anything to interpretation. Tomorrow, figuratively speaking, Marjorie Taylor Greene, or someone else figuratively like her, is going to be arrested. The next day, she'll be convicted and then thrown into prison, and eventually she'll be let out behind the barracks and shot in the back of the head. If this show trial is even allowed to conclude as if it's real, folks, it's just a matter of time until it's out behind the barracks in the snow, shot in the back of the head for Marjorie Taylor Greene and those of us who support the idea that she should be free. So, not to put too fine a point on it, but I hope you understand what I'm saying. And I'm not so sure you do, he said to most of America. <laughs> Is that like from a movie? Is that from like, was, wasn't that, did you see that movie? It was like Independence Day. Isn't that where that's from? My goodness. Um, so now let's go to something a little more lighthearted in the war movie file. I said the war movie file. A former MSNBC foreign affairs analyst named Malcolm Nance has allegedly joined an international legion of foreign fighters to fight against the Russians. That's right. Malcolm Nance is a former U.S. naval intelligence officer, which probably means he sodomized someone else in the Navy. I'm sorry, I don't mean to... Anyway, he, uh, he made an appearance on Joy Reid's show. More evidence that he sodomized at least one person. And he says he's joined the International Legion of Territorial Defense of Ukraine, which may or may not exist. Uh, and he says that... Um, he says that the International Legion has more than 20,000 volunteers from all over the world enlisted to help Ukraine repel the Russian forces. And Mr. Nance, Malcolm Nance, says he's joined them. He's authored several books that accuse Russia of uh, getting Donald Trump elected. More evidence that he sodomized at least one person. I mean, that's indirect evidence, but still. 
anyway, the who who where did I get this article? I can't I can't tell where I got the article because I forgot to include the link. I apologize. But uh, the reporter here says that Nance's Twitter account appears to be very active. And one wonders how he makes time to post to social media while fighting the Russians. And also, how does he get such reliable cell phone service on the battlefield of Ukraine? How is that? Oh, yeah, this is the guy who was vi- filmed predicting incoming artillery or rocket fire where while women behind him were walking with their shopping bags to the store. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, we will follow the continuing le- uh, saga of Malcolm Nance. Actually, we probably won't. In fact, we're going to preemptively say that we think he's lying. That's what we're going to say here at the we- Weekly Worldview. And if he does come home in a body bag, we are going to preemptively demand a toxicology test. Just preemptively, just in case. Oh, so that's what the story I wanted to do. There's a story I don't want to leave undone because here it is. Because, you know, this show is about big, big topics, overarching things that are governing the destiny of America and mankind in general. And this is one of them. This is one of them. Um... From the Justice File, New York City police have charged a 44-year-old handyman with the murder of a 51-year-old mother. The, the mother, Aroslia Gayal, pronounced dead. She was stabbed more than 55 times and stuffed into a duffel bag found about a half a mile from a queen's home last week. The man accused of her murder is David Benola. He and her, he and she, he and she had been having an affair. They had been having an affair, and he stabbed her 55 times and killed her. NYPD says it has a confession, and Mr. Bernola has admitted that he stabbed her to death. He has admitted he was having an affair with her. He was hired as a handyman to work in and around her house over the past couple of years, they started an affair, and then he ended up stabbing her 55 times and killing her. And now I see this story reported, and I see that people want to know if this killer is an illegal alien, because, you know, he's got a Mexican name, he's working as a handyman, you know, is he an illegal? So everyone, like, is he an illegal? What about the adultery? Does anybody want to know Was he actually committing adultery? The adultery passes with virtually no comment from the right. Because it's like we're numb to the adultery part. When it's actually the adultery part that got this woman killed, not the illegal part, if the guy's an illegal. So the fact that he might have snuck across the border, that would have never led to him stabbing this woman 55 times had she not been committing adultery with him. So the the illegal immigration should be way down like number 342 on the reasons this woman got herself killed and the reason this guy became a murderer. But hardly anyone on the on the right notices adultery anymore. Um, by the way, the New York City Police Department reports that 44 year old David Benola has no criminal history. 
So as far as we know, he's never committed a serious crime in his life. Suddenly he stabs a woman 55 times, stuffs her into a duffel bag, and drags her across Queens and leaves her body on a street corner in a duffel bag. So what causes something like that to occur? Is it illegal immigration? No. It's adultery. That's what causes a, a previously peaceful coexisting citizen of the world to turn into a maniacal butcher. It's not illegal immigration. It's not climate change. It's not uh, inequitable wealth distribution that leads to murder and bloodshed and the general end of civilization. So before this happened, Mr. Bonola and Mrs. Gael or Gaal, I don't know her name. Anyway, the man and the and the married woman with whom he was cheating, they had what they would have presented to the world as a civilized relationship. In fact, they would have presented that relationship even as somewhat sophisticated and highly civilized. You know, kind of like the civilization we're trying to carry off right now here in the West and all over the world, that we can somehow carry off a relatively sophisticated and peaceful civilization that's awash in adultery. That's what we're acting like. But what we don't understand is that in a moment, that veneer of civility can be utterly shattered by the reality of adultery, and it can end in maniacal bloodshed, butchery, and murder. In a moment, the civilized turns quite uncivilized. And that's what happened here between David Bonola and the married woman with whom he was cheating and carrying on an affair is the civil erupted into bloody incivility. And it's a warning. It's, it's a warning sign for society as, as a whole crying out for New York, and it's got nothing to do with his immigration status. It has everything to do with her status as a married woman. That's right. Or it's possible, it's possible that the stabbing and the butchering and the stuffing into a duffel bag was actually maybe just Mr. Bonola's celebration of Earth Day. Maybe this was how he chose to celebrate Earth Day. After all, Celebrants of Earth Day have been known to kill their girlfriends and stuff their bodies into containers. That's been known to happen. That, that's Ira Einhorn, by the way, the founder of Earth Day, who butchered and murdered his girlfriend and stuffed her body in a trunk. So we'll, we'll see. Was this a sign of the end of Western civilization? Or was it merely... Another way to celebrate Earth Day. We'll look into it. Uh, that's the weekly worldview for this week. I want to thank you all for tuning in. I want to thank my friends at Real Science Radio and, of course, my other brother, Daryl, who makes it all happen. Here in the weekly worldview studio, should the Lord tarry, we will return next week. And until then, may the grace of God go with you. And may the peace of Jesus Christ be upon you. <laughs>